welcome to this podcast from Christchurch Blackpool. For more information, please visit ccblackpool.co.uk. Yeah, what a great time of worship and brilliant, brilliant words word there from Gillian and from Jen about just, just knowing how when we, when we see God, when we know him, when we understand who he is, it changes everything. And that really speaks into what we're going to be talking about today. Because today we are finishing, we are finishing our seven-week series, looking at uh, going through the biblical story, looking at meals. So remember, we we started off um, looking at the very first meal in the garden in Genesis, and how Adam and Eve were together, and everything was perfect and great. And then that next meal, where everything went wrong, where they disobeyed God, and we've looked at several meals over the course of history, kind of tracing this biblical story. And we're ending today with the very last meal in history, the last meal um, which the Bible uh, highlights as the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we're going to look at that, we're going to read that in a second. But um, before, you, before we do, I just want to um, tell you a bit about a guy, a guy I'm um, called Victor Frankl. And now Victor Frankl was a man who was born in Austria in 1904. Uh, he, he grew up and his passion was psychiatry and he, became, he studied and he got um, qualifications in psychiatry and neurology. And in 1930, he started his own practice and he started um, looking after people. He started counseling people. And one of, one of the groups of people that he actually helped a lot with was um, p- people who felt suicidal. And uh, he was able to help many, many people until Austria was annexed by the Nazis in, uh, uh, just before the war broke out. And um, Victor, he was a Jew living in Austria, obviously being a Jew, he then was forced to stop his practice. He was no longer allowed to practice. He, his rights of him, himself and his family became less and less and less until 1942 when him, his wife, his entire family were then removed from their home and taken and put into a concentration camp. And uh, Viktor Frankl actually, he is a Holocaust survivor. He, he, sadly, him and his sister, the only ones from his, his, his extended family who survived. And um, what, 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 what happened was, is after the concentration camps, after the war ended, Viktor Frankl, he, he wrote down his experiences uh, in a book called Man's Search for Meaning. And basically what he did was, is he was a true academic. And the way that he really survived the concentration camps was by analyzing people. So what he did is he looked at a friend or he looked at, at someone else in the concentration camps and he'd analyze them and say, why are they coping or why are they not coping? <laughs> what, what, why, why, why is the same thing happening to them? And it's, it looks awful for them, but the same thing's happening to them, but they seem to be doing okay. And he did the same and he continued this after the concentration camps. He looked at people who, who he'd been in these concentration camps with and he'd say, why, why have these people, they're free now, why has their lives fallen apart? And he looks at other people and say, they've gone through the same thing, but actually they seem to, as well as they could, they seem to be thriving. And kind of to, 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 to sum up what he puts in his book, his conclusion is what makes the difference between people who do well and people who don't do well was hope. And it's really interesting that that's kind of what was brought through in our worship. And actually, he, he concluded that hope was the reason for pe- the way that people 
um, experienced life. You see, the, the, this, you know, we, we've heard of the Holocaust. Many of us you know, may have been to the Holocaust memorials or whatever, and, and we, we have heard and we can kind of grasp at some sort of level the horrific nature of those few years that those people spent in those camps losing everything, losing their rights, losing their jobs, losing their, their family, people being be, be losing their rights to move, people being um, killed around them, and just an, a horrific kind of concentration of, of time for these people. And um, what, what Viktor Frankl, he, 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 he saw and he observed that some people, they became like animals. You know, they became very much like they, they, they went into just basic instincts. Just they survived on instincts. Other people, they became apathetic, just couldn't, just, just didn't seem to care about anything or anyone. You know, as other people, they, they became deluded and started to live in make-believe worlds. He said that he recorded one guy who... Who'd, who was convinced that the war was going to end by a certain date. But when that, that day came and went, and it was clear the war was nowhere near over, actually very quickly he got a fever and died. That kind of, it's just the remarkable kind of thing. As hope disappeared from this man's life, he just shriveled up and died. He, saw, he made accounts of other people who, who, would, who, who, who had... Who, who fantasized about what life would be like on the outside of when they did finally get free. They, 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 they kept themselves going because when they got free, things would be amazing, things would be great, things would be different, things would may even just be like they were before. And actually, to some extent, he would say that actually these people, this hope of what things would be like when they got out kept them alive. But sadly, because of the horrific things that they'd been through, life was never the same again. And so many of these people who had these high hopes of what life would be like afterwards, that life would be just like it was before, many of them in the, in the realisation that life wasn't the same after these camps, they, they would end up suffering from um, depression and anxiety, suicidal thoughts, addiction. But he recorded actually that there were a few, himself included, who not only survived the camps, but survived to an extent well. And what he put that down to, as I said, he put that down to hope, not pie in the sky hope, but hope that couldn't be taken. So he records one person who did well and they, they were a baker and their hope was just something small. It, their hope was that one day they might be able to cook again. That was it. That's what they lived for, the ability to be able to cook again. He records a musician who's saying that, that their hope was one day they'd freely be able to play an instrument again. He, and for himself, it was that actually he'd be able to, be able to practice um, and help people again. And so what, 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 what all these things have in common, it was a small hope which couldn't be taken from them. And, you know, we, we've lived in a, in, a, in a year, we've lived in a, in a well, almost an eight, 18 months, almost two years now, where hope has just been taken, hasn't it? Hope has been taken. You know, you, you may think, you know, may, maybe, maybe, you know, two years ago, you were, you had certain goals, certain aspirations, certain hopes of how physically you might be. You know, you were here and, and you were thinking actually in, in, in a few years time, I'm going to be over here. I'm doing well. I'm projected. Then COVID hits. You know, and, and the, the mental strain and the, the, the everything else that went on and kind of the, the feeling trapped or whatever, or the anxiety kind of hits in, and where you were here and you were hoping to be here, actually, you're, you're, you're back down here. You kind of, you, 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 things have just gone wrong. 
You know, the same, maybe, so maybe you, you had kind of aspirations of how your job would go, how your business would go. And then, you know, all the restrictions came, you know, you had to close your business or whatever. And you were looking, you had projections of how you'd be over here. But in reality, you're worse off than you were. Um, maybe it was, it was things that you'd, places you'd be able to go, things you'd be able to see. And you, that didn't happen. You know, we, you may, maybe you kind of set like short term um uh, hopes that you might be able to go on holiday or things like that and you know it seemed like you could go to Portugal or whatever and then all of a sudden a week a week um, before you were set to go that went on the the band list and you couldn't go anymore there's all these kind of hopes that kind of have, have been taken from us you know and if, if if we place our hopes in these things it's not bad to hope for these things but if we place our ultimate hope in these things things can be taken away from us they can leave us in a mess Actually, before we talk about the, before we read about the Marriage Supper of the Lamb, I want to read a piece of scripture that was written by a guy named Peter. A guy named Peter who spent um, three years with Jesus, um, every waking moment with him, spending time um, seeing what Jesus did all the time. And, and he, he eventually kind of got what Jesus was about. And in this, in this um, scripture, 1 Peter, he he, he's just saying hi to this church. But what we see is that whilst he's saying hi to this church, what exudes from him is what his ultimate hope is. His, and when I say what his ultimate hope was, it's his, his assurance. It's not like, I hope one day this will happen. This is, this is ultimate assurance. This is what he's living for. This is what makes life different for him. And so he says, we read in, in 1 Peter 1, 3 to 5, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. See, what he's saying is, what he's saying is, and he's writing to a group of people whose lives are hard, who have had hope taken away from them in all different sorts of circumstances. But what he's saying is, there is a greater hope. There is a greater certainty. And this greater certainty, this greater hope changes everything. And that greater hope, that greater certainty is that the tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. That Jesus has risen from the dead. Let me ask you, what do you put your hope in? What have you placed your hope in? What, 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 are you, what are you trusting that will get you through the day? Is it, is it that, that that new house will come through? Is it, um, is it that you'll get that new job? Is it that, that, that life after COVID will be okay? Or life after COVID will finally come? You know, is it, is it, is it that... that you will have or you will obtain or you will get certain things. What is it? Now, all these things are good. All these things are great to pray for and to ask God for. But all of them can be taken away. But there is one thing that cannot be taken away. One thing that cannot go. One thing that doesn't perish. One thing that is imperishable, that is unfading. That is, that is for each one of us. And that is, that, is, that is bought by Christ. And that is the fact that the tomb is empty. 
the tomb is empty. See, the tomb is empty. It says, you know, we are born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, when our ancestors, when our, when our first, first great, 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 our ancestors, when, they, when God created them, when they, when they disobeyed God, they cre- there was a massive schism that happened between people and God and people and, and each other. And, and, and God said at that moment that they would die. That they would die because of, because of their disobedience, because of this schism. They would die. And, and, and if you read the story, if you read Genesis, if you read chapter 3, you read chapter 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, you, you see, oh, they didn't die. Actually, they continued going on. But actually, the reality is they did. They did. See, they may have continued to breathe and walk and talk, but the reality is, spiritually, they were dead. And that's, that's the same for every single human being that's ever lived since then. That spiritually, we are dead. That, that, we, are, that we are literally, as people, we are the waking dead. We, we are zombies. We are, we, we, are, we, are, we are walking and talking, but in reality, we are dead. See, Pete, um, Paul writes to the Ephesians, he says, he says, because of your sin, because of the sins and your transgressions that you were in, you were dead. You were dead. But, Christian, but, believer, you have been now made alive in Christ. You once were dead, though you walked and talked, you were dead. And then one day, this, this body will die, but you will continue to be, be on. You will continue to live on. Because if you're a believer, you now are alive in Christ. You see, and what it says is that, that ultimately, that, that this great hope, this great hope that, that, that death isn't the end, that pain isn't the end, that suffering isn't the end, that one day we will all be raised again with Christ. And on that day, on that day, actually, what it says is that, that the, we've talked about this before, that the, the, the best day on earth, the best day with your friends, the best day with God, the, the, the best moment that you have on earth is like a holiday in a muddy puddle when it's windy and wet and cold compared to a beautiful tropical beach. That's what it's like. That's what it's like. You see, that's what God has done for us. He says, he says that, that the feast that is prepared for us at the end of time is like nothing we have ever, ever encountered. Life that we are going to experience with God in eternity is like nothing we have ever seen or heard of before. So let's read about it. Revelation 19, it says this. This is John writing. He says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty pearls of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give, give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made her, him, herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And this, he, and he, and he said to me, these are, the, these are true words of God. See, he says, he says there is a great, at the end, there's a great multitude. There's billions and billions of people there. This is an almighty party like no one has ever seen. And when it talks about the lamb, it's going to write Jesus. Remember John the Baptist declaring Jesus, the great lamb of God. And what he, what he says is at the end, he says, he says, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. But if you read this, now I know it's lots of imagery, but you read this, Christian, 
you're not just invited. Okay, you don't deserve to be there. We don't deserve to be there. We don't deserve to be on the back row. We don't deserve to get in the building. See, because, because of our sin, because of our mess, because of our imperfections, we don't deserve to get in the building. But we're not just invited to the greatest party that's ever going to be thrown. It says you are the bride. You are the centerpiece along with Christ. Marrying, this marriage ceremony, being married to, to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, that we, that, that, that we, we are adorned, even though uh, the Bible talks about our sin, about our mess, the things that we do to displease God is... It, 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 it splotches, it's impurities that we have, the, the, the picturing is, is weird, but by the blood we are washed and by this crimson blood we are washed clean and that makes us white. That makes us pure, that we are, we are pure, white as snow because of, and it's not because of who we are, it's not because of what we have done, it's because Christ, because of what he has done. You see, we are not just invited, you're the bride, you're his bride you're the bride of christ you see if if you have put your faith if you put your trust in jesus you are free you are forgiven you are loved and he says he says of you that you are precious that you are his child that he is there for you we've heard as we've heard this morning that he is with you and he will never ever 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 leave you alone he will never forsake you through the good times and the bad times through the, for the through the painful times through the, for the confusing times he is always and he will always be there with you and i and i i know it's it's it can be hard to kind of see what that would be like see that, that even is 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 a reality but because the tomb is empty because Jesus died for your sins, he died to make us right for him, but he didn't stay dead because the tomb is empty. This is what our reality is. This is what our reality is. And this is what it says in Revelation 21, how the story ends. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And when you think new, don't think like, you know, throw something away and got a new one out. Think of like renewed, new purpose, new energy. It's, it's, it's or a new heaven and new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. The sea was no more. And, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from, from God's prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. And he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eye and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. You see, there is so much imagery in that in that picture. And don't, don't worry if you don't get it all. Basically, what it's saying is, okay, firstly, when we die, when we stop breathing, when we, when we, when we cease to, 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 our bodies cease to, to be able to function anymore, okay, you don't grow a pair of wings and turn into a baby and fly off into this kind of other realm, okay? That's, that's not what happens. That's not what happens. Actually, the Bible doesn't really talk an awful lot much about what happens after death. It, it, we know, like from Jesus on, on the cross, that if you are a believer, you will be with him in paradise. But what the Bible is, is, is really interested in and tells us a lot about is what happens after life, after death. If you get what I mean. No, when Jesus comes back, when he returns, when, when, when he, he comes for his people. 
You see, and the fact is that because the tomb is empty, because Jesus has raised to life, that, that life when Jesus returns, that life when Jesus comes back, you know, it, it's not about some sort of other spiritual realm where, where we float off to. Actually, what he says is that we will all be raised to life. We will all be given new bodies. So, you know, for some of you, that may be better than others. I did. You know, you get a new kind of spiritual body that, that the aches and the pains and the fact that you're, you get tired and the fact that, 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 that your body kind of hurts and like, you know, you do kind of, you know, especially as, as we get older, we do kind of simple things like sleep and our bodies then hurt. You know, those sort of things just just won't be anymore. Our bodies will be renewed. Our bodies will be made will be made perfect, and we get we get a new physical body to 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 live in. You see, this is what the kingdom of heaven looks like. Is if we read this last verse, it says that every tear will be wiped away, and and I believe that that. Whilst we kind of immediately go to pain, but I think part of that will be actually tears of joy will be wiped away, because pain and suffering and death will be no more. You know, that as we, as we lose friends, as we lose loved ones, as we, as we pray for one another as, who, who are struggling, who are ill, actually, that'll be no more. There'll be no more hospitals. There'll be no more therapy centers because none of us will need it. Pain will be gone, stress, anxiety, conflict, jealousy, depression. They'll all be gone. You'll, you'll be able to do a job and feel satisfied in it, not feel at the end of the day, oh, I just haven't done enough. I just can't do, do enough. It says that, that we will see Jesus in his glory. You know, actually, uh, the, one of the glorious things is actually that and for those of us who are in Christ, we will meet again, those, our brothers and sisters. You know, I don't know whether you've ever played this game. Who would I love to meet most from the Bible? But you know what? You know, there'll be a lot of people. There'll be a lot of people in the new heavens and new earth. And so you might think, well, how am I going to find people? But you'll have all eternity. So do you know what? If you want to meet and you want to talk to Noah, you'll be able to do so. You know, if you wanna if you wanna find Moses, you'll be able to speak to him about a, what find find out what is you know those those questions that we talk about that I quite often say, you know, when, when you're reading the Bible and you're like, why doesn't it tell me this? Why aren't these things? What were they feeling? What what actually happened? What when was this really you know, and all those kind of questions that if you wanna kinda of flesh out the story in your head, you just kinda of, kinda of have just to go with it. Though you can you can find people like Moses and ask them. You can you can find you better to find Peter and talk to him. You know, and, and you know, saints down the ages. You if you know Luther or Wesley or, or whoever, you'd be able to find these guys and speak to them, have conversations with these guys or any any friend that that you've lost in Christ. You you will know them again. You will be with them again. And we have certainty. That's not kind of an high in the sky hope. It is a certainty, and the certainty is founded in the fact that the grave is empty. The tomb is empty. Jesus is no longer dead. He's no longer in the tomb. The tomb is empty. He isn't there. Everything, therefore, will be made right. As, as the Jesus Storybook Bible, Bible puts it, that everything sad, everything, uh, everything sad will begin to become untrue. You see, and this is what happened this is what happened in part as Jesus, when Jesus entered in, when Jesus stepped down from his, from his throne room and came and lived amongst us. 
Everywhere Jesus trod, everywhere Jesus walked, the kingdom, heaven broke in, didn't it? Everywhere he walked, the kingdom broke in. People would die, but the kingdom would break in and people would be raised to, to life again. People's bodies would be sick, would be, would be aching. They'd have chronic diseases. That, you know, they, they'd have, they'd have pains. They would have, they would have broken backs. They had, they had bleeding or whatever. Jesus stepped in. The kingdom came in and those things came untrue. They were healed. People's, people's behavior changed. People's attitudes changed. As Jesus walked, as the, as, as the kingdom broke in to everywhere that Jesus came. And ultimately, that's what's going to happen on that final day. So that's what's in store for us in the renewed heavens, the renewed earth with our renewed bodies. We were one day, as we've been talking about this broken relationship with God, this broken relationship with people, that one day, because the tomb is empty, we will have complete oneness with God. That's what kind of the marriage ceremony is kind of signifying, that two become one, that we will, that we will have oneness with God. We will have oneness with each other. That The curse from Genesis 3, as, as our first um, parents disobeyed God, will be broken. We broken, we smashed in pieces. So don't, what I'm saying is don't not help, hope. Don't stop hoping that your friend or your, your family member will, will become well, will be healed. That, you know, don't stop hoping that, that your job circumstances will change, that your, that your neighbours will change, that your, that, you, that your job will change, that your house will change, that, that whatever, whatever in your life is difficult, don't stop hoping that God might change those things because he can and he, he, he could do that. But we have a greater hope. We have a greater hope. And that hope is that in the resurrection, in the resurrection, in the end, that we will be raised to life with Jesus. So that's what Peter's trying to get for, for, for us, what he's trying to get for that church that he was speaking to 2,000 years ago. That's what he wants for us to get. The fact that, that whatever trials, whatever tribulations you go through, whatever heartache you go through, whatever thing happens, whatever the government might say next or whatever, that kind of just kind of takes away another layer of hope from you, whatever, whatever that is, we have a greater hope, a greater hope that cannot be taken, that can never fail, that can never perish. And that is bought in the fact that the tomb is empty and that we will be raised to life with Jesus. See, it is guaranteed. It is a hope that changes everything. It is a hope that means that you and I can face disease, that we can face illness, that we can we can face family heartache. That we can face um, uh, we can face hard work. We can face we can face whatever you just name it. Whatever your struggle is, you can face it because we have a greater hope. A hope that enables us to fight temptation because Jesus is with us because the tomb is empty. A hope that says that that we can endure through despair. Because Jesus is with us, the tomb is empty. A hope that enables us to look around us at the world in trouble and, and have confidence and say, God has better things in store. Because I can be sure of that because the tomb is empty and Jesus is with us. When we, when we see Jesus as he truly is, see, that's the trouble. That's, 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 what we, that's the greatest battle, as Julian wonderfully brought. You know, the greatest battle is to see Jesus who he is, that he isn't dead in the tomb, that he isn't, he, he isn't uh, um, 
uh, uh, rotting in a grave, but he is alive forevermore. He and he rose from the dead, and so will you and I. And, and do you know what? Because he did, because the the king of the universe stepped down from heaven, because he he destroyed the serpent, because he slew, slew the dragon, because the king of heaven, Jesus Christ, he's the defeater of sin, sickness, and death, who brought the kingdom with with, with every part of him that everywhere he trod and treads is bringing the kingdom bringing the kingdom heaven is meeting earth see actually one day everything will be made right and the glorious thing is that until that day until that day we're not just to sit with our hands in our pockets and go well everything's going to be made right one day jesus is going to sort it no Actually, just like Jesus, everywhere he trod, the kingdom broke in. That's what Jesus has for us. The, the kingdom, see, every, and then we're going to be talking about this more in the winter, that where places Jesus went, and where Jesus went, the kingdom broke in. But Jesus has that same thing for us, that where we walk, where you talk, where you spend your time, the kingdom can break in. The kingdom can break in. You see, and, and just to kind of encourage you, some of us go, well, God can't use me. God won't use me. God, how can God do something through me? If God can raise, be raised from the dead, he can use you. He can use you. And can we end on um, living hope? And so as I, as, as I pray, I just want to get this down this is what we've been talking about through these last seven weeks is the fact that where you go the kingdom goes to we have a glorious hope that god is going to renew this earth that god is going to give us renewed bodies that pain suffering will go will be gone we will meet each other again that those that we've lost through death we will meet again but until that day god is calling us to be people that wherever we tread we bring the kingdom with us and we can do that simply just by spending time sitting down with someone and sharing a meal. So let's do that. Let's do that impromptu. Let's, you know, let, let's do that by going to each other's houses, having barbecues over the summer. Let's do that by saying, I've got a free Wednesday night. Why don't you come around to my place? Let's do that. Right, I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing Living Hope. So Lord Jesus, I thank you, God. God, I thank you that that no matter what we go through, no matter what hope is taken away from us, when we, whatever we lose, Lord God, when we lose our freedoms, God, when we lose our, 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 our jobs, when we lose um, houses, when we lose, um, when, when, when family doesn't go how we want it to go, Lord Jesus, Lord God, even though that's sad and we pray for those things to improve, Lord God, I thank you that ultimately we have a greater hope. God, we have a greater hope, which is rooted in the fact that you are no longer in the grave. God, that you have risen from death and that is our living hope, that you now rule and reign and one day you will bring heaven to earth. We will be raised to life with you and all pain and suffering and sickness and everything that's just not right with the world will become undone and we will live and reign with you forever. We will meet those that we've lost again, Lord God, and we will be with them, Lord God. We will, we will be able to spend time with those who, who we, we've never met, Lord God. Lord God, we, we thank you, Lord God. We pr I pray for us as a church, Lord God, as we go over summer, as we come into the autumn, Lord God, that, that we will be a people that everywhere we tread, we knowingly take the kingdom with us, that the kingdom would break 
in to everywhere we stand. Amen. Yeah, I can't. I can't sing that last verse about what, verse verse about smiling. It's 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 amazing. It's amazing. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion declared, "The grave has no claim on me." Jesus, yours is the victory, guys. I promise you. I can't promise you how good or bad your week's gonna go. Only God knows that. But I do promise you that no matter what happens, no matter what heartaches, no matter what disappointments, no matter what what things you feel like has been taken or gained over the next week or the next next few months and years, I promise you that if you hold this. If you understand this, that there was a morning when Jesus' dead body came back to life and he rose victoriously. Whatever disappointments you go through, everything is just different. Everything's just different. It makes so much, life has changed. It makes everything different. And we, we, will, we reign victoriously no matter what life throws at us. So God bless. Thank you for listening. For more information, downloads and podcasts, please visit ccblackpool.co.uk.